0: Hello, everybody. This is episode four of the American Yellow Vest podcast. Obviously, since last time we had an episode, quite a bit has changed. Obviously, we had the murder of George Floyd. The protests, you know, erupted into the streets. There was some violence, all kinds of stuff. But now things have quieted down quite a bit. The protests are still going on, but they're largely peaceful. Even the way that people are viewing, not only the protesters, but Black Lives Matter as, as well has become more of a 70-30 issue, 80-20 issue in favor of both. So lot's changed since then. And, <laughs> and let's be real, the police have exposed themselves as a bunch of entitled crazy motherfuckers. While people were becoming more peaceful, the police became more violent. Running people over. And this happened in D.C. and L.A. You saw the guy in Buffalo, everybody saw it, 75 years old, shoved down to the ground, his head smacked. But that wasn't even the worst of it. I saw, you know, another uh, angle of it from across the street, and when you see him get pushed down that angle, <laughs> Jesus Christ! You hear his skull like just <clears throat> like that. I was just sitting like God damn, that hurt me. I didn't even get hurt. You know what I mean? It, it was that bad. And then you had the guy, those same police in Buffalo. The two guys that pushed him down got fired, and so they all resigned. Now, the, a rational person would be like. Yeah, maybe they resigned because they thought what those two guys did was bad. No, these motherfuckers resigned because they were mad that they fired those two guys. Yeah, that tells you everything. And then you go look around to New York City. I believe it was their union rep. Went on TV and put on a fucking show. Had his hands clenched like he was ready to whoop some ass telling us all you need to respect us respect us oh you owe us respect bitch we don't owe you anything we pay your salaries you owe us respect remember serve and protect not to fuck us around and take a big check so we need to start talking about something that's not being talked about well it has been by some activists but how much money the police are actually pulling in you look at various cities you have as much as 40% of city spending going to the police. Meanwhile, some cities, schools are literally falling down around us. There's a massive homeless problem. And this is where our money's going, 40% in our city budgets in a lot of cases. That's crazy. You look at, for example, Houston, they have like a roughly a billion dollar budget just for HPD, Houston Police Department. Half a billion for the Harris County sheriffs. That's just two entities. That does not even count Houston Metro Police, the Harris County constables, the Port Authority, the uh, what are the people that they have over there at the airports? That doesn't count any of that shit. So we could literally have, if I if, if I just mentioned 1.5 billion just for those two agencies, it could realistically be close to three billion dollars just going to policing. And anybody who's been down here to Houston, you know we have a lot of different problems. Our roads are shit. (laughs) We have quite a bit of, you know, excuse me, economic dead zones in this city. For example, you go by U of H. You go a mile or so away, about two miles away from campus. You are an economic dead zone. There's nothing there. There's abandoned buildings, people walking around drunk and high during the day. No jobs, people begging, people prostituting themselves. That's happening right there. And Houston's not unique in that. I mean, you go and look at the budget of the LAPD, it's like, just the LAPD again, this isn't like the fucking Port Authority over there in Los Angeles and all this other shit. This is just LAPD. Like $1.2 billion. That's crazy. Where's all this money going? And so that tells you just how much power, politically, that the police have. That they have these bloated budgets fully militarized, the whole nine. This is why both parties now are virtue signaling. They're not actually going to reform anything. Because here's the thing you have to understand. You can't reform something that's working exactly how they designed it. Most people don't know the origin story of the police. They began as slave patrols to round up black people who had the audacity to not want to be slaves. I know, crazy fucking concept, right? Someone doesn't want to be a slave? I mean, who the fuck would think that way? But that's where this shit came from. So they have a lot of political clout, which is why, yeah, because like I said earlier, the protests and Black Lives Matter is all like a 70-30 issue, 80-20 issue now. People support it widely. But the politicians are still too fucking terrified to actually do anything to the police. Even Trump's, you know, little executive order, it's all just little bullshit. You could tell it was bullshit because when you have police already standing there with you, that shows you that they were okay with what little mealy mouth shit you did. And yeah, some people will say, it's better than nothing. Yeah, that's true. The Big bad orange man did a little something-something, and I guess it is better than nothing. But does it actually fix the problem? Fuck no. Fuck no. And I was watching this, you know, interview with Shahid Buttar, who's running against the Yas Queen, a.k.a. Nancy Pelosi, in San Francisco. And even he was saying that the reforms that the Democrats and Republicans are putting out now are shit that should have been done 10 years ago. Yeah, better late than never, and it's good to do it. But now we have even bigger problems. We need bigger solutions. So you're not going to reform this shit. You're not. It's just a game now. You have to sit there... And they're going to do some mealy mouth cosmetic shit. That way they can tell the people, look what we did. We're woke now. We're listening to people. But it's all bullshit. I mean, you have Tim Scott talking about, Senator I believe from South Carolina, Republican. Oh, we're going to sit there and have a database of all the bad police. We're going to have body cams. We're going to ban chokeholds. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, who gives a fuck? You're still over fucking these people. You're still not sending people to prison. I and mean, that's the thing. When you kill people... The police should be getting death penalty, just like we are. If, if it's good enough for us, it's good enough for them. That just shows you the power that they have. That even the Republicans, in the face of this public pressure, despite the strength of the police, they will even put on a show in Virtue Signal. But they'll only go so far because, again, the police overwhelmingly voted for Trump. This is the, quote-unquote, law and order party. So they're not going to actually do anything systemically it's all going to just be me- mealy mouth bullshit. And the same thing for the Democrats. The Democrats don't want to do anything r- real either, because then they get labeled, oh, anti-law and order. So they're also virtue signaling. They're sitting there putting on a show, you know, they're fucking going out there with Nancy Pelosi, Nancy fucking Pelosi, having these motherfuckers go out. Well, let me back up a little bit. I want to say this about Nancy Pelosi first. One thing I've noticed about Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump, they both love a good photo op. They love a good photo op. Remember back, you know what I mean, during his uh, State of the Union, this stooge intentionally made a little tear in his speech. That way she could tear the whole thing in front of everybody and look like she was so fucking woke. And of course, the upper middle class suburban white people, the, you know, the real base of the Democratic Party, they all jizzed their pants. They were so excited. The Yas Queen, oh my God, she sat there and showed Trump. She showed him. And then you saw it during this protest. Trump, he, was, he loves photo ops too. He went over there, gassed those people, went to the church to hold up a Bible. First off, motherfucker, we know you read like at a first grade level, so you can't read the Bible. Okay, second of all, you don't believe in God. You have to believe in a religion to read its fucking book and get something out of it. You, you see what I'm saying? But not to be outdone. The Yas Queen decided she was going to show us that she could actually read from the Bible. Ooh. And my thought was, Motherfucker, you're worth $113 million. You better be able to fucking read. And if you can't, I'm sure you can afford somebody to fucking teach you. But that wasn't the reaction of the Yas Queen crew. They all jizzed their pants again. Because she was so woke. She was reading from the Bible when Trump can't read. Oh my God. So they're virtue signaling. They're all this political theater. They're not really actually doing anything. And then the Yas Queen went and fucking jumped the shark. She and all the other stooges came to try to show their solidarity in kente cloth and kneeling for eight and a half minutes. What the fuck was that? And you know... The bitch didn't have Kente cloth at her house. You know she had to order it to fucking pull off this stunt. You know damn good and well. It's not like she had that hanging in her fucking closet. And neither did Stanny Hoyer and all the other stooges. And see that right there. I was thinking myself like man. How does the Yas Queen top that? But you know she will. She'll find a way. And you know I already have an idea in my head. What I think is going to happen. I think the Yas Queen next time. She's going to come out for the next legislative session dressed in a dashiki. You'll have Steny Hoyer over there, the whitest fucking man in America. He'll come in dressed like Joffrey Jafar. The character, James Earl Jones' character from Coming to America, who played the father of uh, Eddie Murphy's character, Prince Hakeem. He's going to come dressed like Joffrey Jafar. I'm talking the whole night, even the motherfucking lion pelt, man. That's what I'm expecting because you have to top that. The Yas Queen can't just sit there and dress and can't take cloth anymore. The white upper middle class suburban people are not gonna get off on that. She already sat there and you know went that you know went that far with cultural appropriation. She already went there. So now she's gotta go to the next level to get these motherfuckers off and thus get their money into her pocket to sit there and fund these bullshit campaigns for all these grifters in the Democratic Party. So they're all virtue Republicans are virtue signaling, trying to act like, we understand, we don't want to be on the wrong side of this, we're going to reform the police. Democrats are out there, you know, posing in kente cloth and saying the same bullshit that the Republicans are saying. But it's not just the Republicans and Democrats. Let's not forget big business. For example, the cocksucker Bezos. What did he do? Oh, Black Lives Matter on my website. Oh, this is from the same guy who fired Chris Smalls and another black man because they were attempting to unionize Amazon workers and also informing their co-workers about COVID in their fulfillment centers. Oh, yeah, and that nothing was being done about it. Because cocksucker Bezos doesn't care about those people. Okay, And he signed off on their little plan on what they were going to do with Chris Smalls, which was make him look, quote-unquote, unintelligent and inarticulate. In other words, he's black, so they're going to try to make him look stupid. Yeah, that's Jeff Bezos for you. He's so woke. But he's going to stand with the people. Black lives matter. Then Howard Schultz, Starbucks man. He says he doesn't see color. Coo we, The guy that owns fucking Starbucks where two black men were minding their own business, waiting for somebody, if I have the story straight. And they call the police on him just because they are just doing what normal fucking people do in a coffee shop. People wait for people all the time. And no one gets the police called on them unless you're black. That's exactly what happened. And then they had to close down, you know, all their stores so they can have sensitivity training. And this motherfucker's out there telling us he doesn't see color. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell, tell all y'all a little something-something. We all see color. And that doesn't make you racist. And I'm going to give you an example of how this works. Say, for example, a man comes up to me. He's like, Raheem, I can't find my wife. Can you help me find my wife? And I'm going to be like, okay, well, what does she look like? He's not going to just say, she's got black hair... And dark eyes, and a white t-shirt, and a pair, you know, a pair of jeans on. That describes like more than half the women you'll see out here in Houston. Okay, especially during like a summertime, you know, that's what you're gonna see. So and that, that also can lead me to think, okay, is this lady a white lady, a black lady, Latina, Asian? What is she? Because dark hair, dark eyes, that can apply to multiple different races. That doesn't tell me shit. But if you told me, okay, my wife is Asian, and she's got long black hair, and dark eyes, I'm like, okay, cool. Now I know what I'm looking for. You see what I'm saying? Otherwise, you just tell me what she's wearing and the color of her hair and her eyes. I'm not going to know who the fuck this person is. Especially here in Houston, a majority minority city, where we have so many people that fit that description. I fit that description, except I'm a man. I've got brown hair and dark eyes. What the fuck? That's not going to help you find me in a crowd of like a million motherfuckers. Give me a break. But that's what Howard Schultz is going to sit there and tell you, that he doesn't see color. This is all you know what I mean. Just He's so fucking woke. <clears throat> then you have people like Apple giving money to different you know, uh, groups affiliated with like black activism. It's like, dude, y'all are the same motherfuckers with slave, la- uh, slave labor overseas creating those fucking iPhones that you're selling for like $1,200 a pop. Who-, who the fuck is you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These are not exactly good actors. The point I'm trying to get is everybody is now virtue signaling because they do not Want this to blow up into what I think it's going to blow up. The next logical step, well, let me go ahead and let the late, great, Hall of Famer, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, segue into this next part of the, of the podcast. I'm going to let him do it, and this is a clip from 1985, and it's just as relevant then as it is today. And for those of you who are younger listeners, you might not know who Dusty Rhodes is, and if you watch but if you watch wrestling, you've probably seen his sons. One of his sons, Dustin uh, Rhodes, goes by the name of uh, Goldust. And then he has a brother named Cody Rhodes who also went by the name of Stardust, I believe, for a little minute. They actually you know, wrestled alongside each other as a tag team. So that's your random miscellaneous information of the day. But let's go ahead and let Dusty say it. That's how it'll begin. Right now, a lot of people are going through a lot of shit. 45 million people unemployed. You have the rent uh, forbearances coming to a close in many states. So you're going to start seeing evictions. You're going to start seeing foreclosures. That's hard times, daddy. When you go out there and you start seeing kids in the high schools. This is happening right down the street from my fucking house. I'm seeing kids every Monday and Thursday. From 10.30 or 12.30, lining up so they can get food because their parents can't afford it. If they're under 18, the school will give them food. That's fucking hard times. That's what they don't want you talking about. Because then, once this erupts from Appalachian to the inner city, to the barrios, to the reservations, to the small working class communities, the whole fucking nine, they're all going to be having the same problems. They're going to be looking at each other like, wait a minute, you're going through the same thing as me? So who the fuck do we blame? Boom, Washington, Wall Street. That's who they will blame. And let's be real. This whole situation, as I've said before, did not just occur because COVID came and wiped everything out, you know, wiped out some great economy. The economy was already shit, as we've talked about in a previous episode. You already had uh, Banks and corporations overloaded with debt, according to the IMF. we would seen the inverted yield curve. we would already seen the manufacturing index tumbling. This was already going to happen. They knew it was going to happen. The bill that was, you know, the first bill that was passed within like two days, that was actually, and this is according to the Last American Vagabond. And I really hope that y'all do check out that channel. They do a lot of great work. Uh, Whitney Webb, who used to be at the Mint Press, she's now a member of the Last American Vagabond. So there's a lot of good information there. But one of the things I saw on there, the bill, you know, for this bailout was actually written by BlackRock. You know, one of the largest companies in the world that does asset you know, control, that sort of thing, and they're actually Israeli affiliated as well, which I may talk about in a future episode. But they were also responsible for the bailout bills in 2008 and 2009. So this is like one of the largest, you know, companies that does what it does in the world, worth like over seven trillion dollars, something like that. And so they had this bill written even before this all went down. Which leads me to believe, this is on a side note, this whole COVID thing, I don't believe what they're telling us. I don't. I believe this is a man-altered biological weapon. And again, I'll refer to the last American vagabond. If you go on his channel, he actually has a video of an actual timeline. There's a dude talking about a timeline all the way dating back to when the CDC shut down Fort Detrick. Fort Detrick is in Maryland. And Fort Detrick likes to play with viruses and as well as bats. They've also had containment issues several times over decades. And he goes into that. He goes into like the closure of Fort Detrick, also the mysterious vaping illness, which had very, very similar uh, symptoms to COVID, which makes them think that that might have actually been COVID then. They just didn't tell us. Then they go to event 201. Event 201 basically was the whole simulation of how they would handle a viral pandemic. And even in this, you know, little simulation, they called COVID-19, COVID-19. So it's like, okay, you're already using the names you're going to use. And then you have the military games in Wuhan. Coincidentally, Wuhan also has a biological weapons research uh, factory as well, which is why they're trying to blame this on the Chinese. So then they had the military games. soon as that, after that happens, that's when this coincidentally blows up. So what I think, you know, based off what I'm seeing, in my opinion, I believe they did this on purpose, knowing the economy was going to crash. But they wanted to go ahead and crash it themselves, so they had complete control. Because if they waited for like, some random event to sit there and knock down the house of cards, they're not in control. Plus, the COVID you know, situation keeps us looking away from what they're doing in Washington. People right now are scared shitless in this country. Some people are, you know, depending on who you talk to, there are a lot of people who are terrified of this virus. There are some people who are like, okay... It seems to be a little bit worse than the flu, but it's not nearly what they're trying to tell us that it is. And and I'm one of those people. I think it's not nearly as bad as what they're telling us, but I do think that, yes, it is deadly. Yes, it can kill you. Yes, you can get it. But do I think it's what they're describing it as? No, I don't. From what I'm looking at, I, I personally don't think so. So they're using this situation to pull off this massive heist. This was all planned. And here's the other aspect of it. And this goes into, I mentioned Whitney Webb earlier. She did an article, and you can look it up. It's very easy to find. Go to Google, type in Whitney Webb, techno tyranny, and basically what you're going to see is a lot of these companies, you know, especially like you know, your Amazon's going to be a big one, you know, uh, all your tech companies, uh, even transportation. They're all looking to get in more AI and more robotics. So the easiest way to do that, think about this, people, think about it. You have a you know pandemic going on people are scared to be around people so big business is going to come up with a great solution for you don't worry we're going to put robotics in these places ai so we don't have as many people around each other that way there's less risk of you know spreading the disease because you know we're trying to keep you safe supposedly but really what they're trying to do is help their own bottom lines they want to get rid of you they want to get rid of these jobs like andrew yang said i believe uh I forget where i saw this interview that he did it was on one of the cable news channels i believe but i saw a clip of it and he was talking about during the first crash in 2008 and 9 there was like 9 million i believe he said jobs that were lost that never came back and they're estimating like almost double that what happened in this uh, pandemic and like andrew yang was talking about during his campaign we're looking at a future with a jobless economy so you're gonna have to have a ubi that's why ubi was actually, actually a really good idea that was one of the few things I actually agree with Andrew Yang on. It made a lot of sense because if they do what they're trying to do here and they replace all of our jobs, what are we going to do? You're literally going to have a jobless economy. That's what we're looking at because, say, for example, you start putting robotics in the trucks, like truck drivers, they can only drive, like, what, 8 to 10 hours a day? Like, uh, I think only 8 hours like, straight during, per day because you know, they have to sleep. You don't have to worry about that shit anymore. You can have the truck drive as many hours as they can drive until it runs out of gas. All you need is someone at the gas station to fill it up. That's it. Even white-collar jobs, things like an accountant, for example, all they need to do is put all the rules into a software, put the software on the computer, and they can cut half of y'all. Then they only need a handful of you. That way, when new changes do come to the tax code that come in too quickly for the software to be updated, boom, they have the accountants there to handle that, and even the verification of everything at the very end. That's all they'd have to do. And I can go into several examples of this, but, you know, I can be here all day doing that. So that's what they're planning for you. But not just that. They're also trying to track us. For those of you who watch the NBA, the NBA players are wearing these tracer rings now, which apparently can, you know... uh, they're supposedly 90% accurate and can supposedly detect uh, symptoms of COVID-19 three days before the onset, full-blown onset of it. Well, their plan is, oh, if we see someone like that, we can pull them in, quarantine them, give them the vaccine, this, that, and the other. So if it's not accurate, that 10% of the time, say, for example, you have a job interview, you have some kind of presentation at school, and you're not having any symptoms... They can fuck up your day and be like, oh, no, you can't go. You may be feeling fine, but the ring says this. Well, that ring is 10% inaccurate. They don't care. That's 10%. That could affect your livelihood. And that's not, the, you know, the end of it. They're now talking about, I believe it's the Rockefeller Foundation, mixing in all this AI and stuff like that to do a whole complete health, you know, diagnostic of you, including your mental health. So then they can go out there and say, oh, well, this person has, you know, what was the example that Ryan used on his video? Um, defiant uh, authority disorder or something like that. Basically a disorder where you don't, where you resist authority. And it's technically a, you know, a real medical disorder. So I can say, oh, you have that. Therefore we need to do this to you and give you these kind of drugs and pump you full of this so we can take care of that. So you can become a normal functioning member of society. So you have all that going on. Plus the money heist. All these companies are blowing up. Amazon, (laughs) look at Jeff Bezos, how much money he made during this shit. Tens of billions of dollars. And he wasn't alone. People like Zoom made a bunch of money. You know, uh, all the tech companies are making money hand over fist. I mean, it's a joke. That's what this was. This was a planned heist to not only restructure everything, because think about it like this. In 2008, 2009, when this happened, all the big companies got bigger. The small and medium companies got gobbled up. What do you think just happened here when the U.S. allowed our economy to just tumble to the ground? They destroyed all our small businesses. I can go up and down the street now here in Houston. Empty strip centers for lease, for lease, for lease, for lease. Closing down, everything must go, 70, 80% off. Yeah. Where do you think all these people are going to go? And that's what they don't want to happen, because it took three years for Occupy Wall Street to blow up. Right now, they're hoping they can keep us distracted with all this taken down of statues, you know, Confederate flags, virtue signaling, all that crap, because they do not want all these working class people, lower middle class people, uniting across racial lines. Because right now, race is the only thing that keeps people distracted and divided. Once that wall falls down and people start recognizing across the country that they have the same enemy, I don't think this is going to be pretty. This, I think this could blow up even worse than Wall, Occupy Wall Street did. I think this, you know, once people get angry enough, you're going to see violence in the beginning. I really do. I mean, especially when you see a lot of protests and stuff like this. And then typically in the beginning, that's when you'll see a lot of violence because people are acting on that initial rage. They're not trying to remain calm. They're justifiably pissed off and angry and desperate. That's when I think you're going to see a lot of shit. I think they're going to burn down Amazon places. I think you'll see, you know, different department stores burned down or looted. And you know what? No one wants to see that, you know, because we live in a civilized society. People get hurt when looting happens. But I, I'll say it like this I couldn't blame those people if they do it. I couldn't. Because here's the thing you start having more people losing their jobs when there's no jobs to be had. What are they going to do? Some will go into the gig economy. So basically they become de facto slaves of a company like Uber or DoorDash or God knows who, who basically sets the parameters for them, calls them a contractor, a business owner. Yet you can't control the wages or the uh, the fares that you're charging. You can't control anything. They tell you how to do it. They tell you where to go. They tell you who to pick up. They tell you where to take that person. You don't get to choose shit. They tell you how much they'll be gracious enough to pay you. That's how this works. That's what they're doing. And this all began under Barack Obama. The gig economy exploded under him. And remember, he was sitting there touting the economy, just like Trump. Look at this economy that we grew. The best economy in the world. Oh, no, Barack, it's not, motherfucker. When people are having to sit there and drive for Uber because there's no job, that's not some great economy, motherfucker. Motherfucker. That's good for your masters at Uber and Google and Facebook and all this other crap because all these tech companies are basically y'all's fucking, you know, duffel bag boys now. And they all work for the intelligence agencies now. So that's what they want to keep us distracted from. The wealth heist and what they want to do with automation and AI. This is our future. This is what they're really after. And like I said, I'm not making this up. I'm encouraging you. Go look at the Last American Vagabond channel. Check out the article by Whitney Webb. Again, just type in Techno Tyranny Whitney Webb on Google, and you'll see all this shit. I could literally do a whole show on this. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of information there. And I highly encourage every one of you to check it out. And you know, when this is all said and done, there's going to be a huge backlash against business and both parties. But I think between the two parties... I think the ones going to get hit the hardest are the Democrats, and I'll tell you why. Everybody already knows that the GOP is corrupt. Everybody already knows that they're money-grubbing. They don't even hide it, okay? <laughs> they're out in the open with it. Whereas not a lot of people yet are, you know, are ready to wrap their mind around and accept and realize that the Democrats are just as bad. The Democrats are wolves in sheep's clothing. You can even go on Twitter Look at the Yas Queen, Nancy Pelosi's you know, profile, talking about fighting for the middle class. Bitch, millionaires are not the middle class. That's who you're fighting for. Let's keep it 100. You need to change your profile to say, I'm fighting for the upper middle class white people in the suburbs, and the rich, and Wall Street. That's it. And at least then we can go, okay, you're honest. Because at least Rama Emanuel, that little scumbag, just recently wrote an article, basically giving the game away, saying... That, you know, the Democratic Party's main constituency now, suburban women, he didn't say the white part, but that's really what he meant. Because let's keep it real. That's who they're really catering to. And you can see that during the women's marches, during, you know, all this bullshit that they do. The woke, you know, upper middle class suburban white women and the celebrities with the Too and this, that, and the other. That is who they're catering to. And I've been saying this, but Rahm Emanuel just recently said that, and you can look that up as well. I found the article, like, in 30 seconds, just looking it up, because I heard about it the first time on The Hills Rising. I believe it was Crystal Ball who mentioned it. So I was like, well, what did this motherfucker really say? When I looked it up, that's exactly what he was saying. If you read between the lines, he's talking about white people in the suburbs. That's their new constituency now. And because you have all these states now that are becoming more suburban. Texas is more of those. North Carolina. Virginia. And you see what's already happened in Virginia, completely controlled by Democrats. And yet, nothing's being done for workers. Like I think I mentioned in a previous episode, they're number 51 out of all 50 states plus D.C., according to Oxfam, when it comes to workers' issues. So I think there's going to be a reckoning for the Democrats. But I also believe there will be a civil war within the party as well. Right now, too many people have Trump derangement syndrome. So you will see some people on the left... Who will coalesce with the Democrats. Me, I won't. Fuck them. I'm not going to vote for evil. Voting for lesser or two evils is still evil. But some will do it. And once the Biden administration comes into power, unless he sits there and shits the bed because he gets exposed on TV too much, which is definitely a possibility. We have four or five months left of this. He should be able to cruise into the White House, in theory. Because, I mean, COVID was to Joe Biden, or is to Joe Biden what 9-11 was, to Rudy Giuliani, but for 9-11, that motherfucker would nobody. I mean, he really is nobody. He's just a scam artist, but whatever. So this is the greatest thing that could have ever happened to Joe Biden, COVID. Because now he can just sit there, demented, in his basement, see, like, one or two people a day, do little stupid interviews with Nicole Wallace, who will hold his hand, and be like, it's okay, it's okay, demented man, it's okay, complete your thought. Oh, no, I, I really shouldn't. Yeah, Biden, you really shouldn't, because... You don't even know what you're saying. You just lost track of what the fuck you were saying. That's why you couldn't. It's not that you shouldn't. It's that you couldn't. Because that's why I think it will be the Democrats who take the biggest, you know, hit. And you'll also see the civil war within the party because the left doesn't like what's going on in Washington. You know what I mean? Like your progressive left. I guess you could say leftists, they've already sat sat there and said, to hell with this, we're gone. But the progressives are still there. They're willing to still play the political game. Okay, fine. If y'all can change the party... Progressives, by all means. I hope you I wish y'all luck, because I'd rather see y'all control the Democratic Party rather than the neoliberals. So by all means, good luck. But I think you will see a civil war between those two factions once this is all over. And then the actual left, they're gonna sit there and attack the Democrats from every fucking angle. We don't care. We don't like them, we don't like Joe Biden. We didn't want this. You rigged the primary against us. And it's not that Bernie was that far left. He wasn't. In Europe he would have been a mo- considered a moderate. And I'm left. To, I'm even to the left of him on certain issues. So like even I'm looking, I'm like, bro, you need to go a little bit farther. <laughs> but that's not going to happen. So that's what I think is going to happen with all of this. And I think this reckoning is going to come sooner than later. I don't think it's going to take three years this time like Occupy did. I think this is going to happen probably soon after the election. Maybe a year, year and a half. You know what I mean? I'd say probably 2021, 2022. I just don't see this taking that long to blow up, especially when I'm seeing all this stuff that's happening now, like I described, food lines. You know, I saw this video the other day. I've seen it on Secular Talk and on uh, The Hills Rising. People in Kentucky were lined up for miles, literally miles, just so they could see a human being to apply for unemployment. The cops, there were so many people, they had to cap the line. You know, if you were there for eight hours, you could stay, but if you were, you know... Or if you, uh, I think if you had been there during the initial eight hours or something like the first eight hours, you could stay in line. But after that you had to get out. So some people had to come all the way back the next day. And I saw one story, a lady was there at three in the morning, couldn't get in, had to go back the next day. So that's the kind of stuff that you're seeing now. I didn't see that in 2008, 2009. I never saw the stuff I'm seeing now back then. I saw some bad things. Yes. But this, this is even worse. Let's be real. Here in Texas, they're reclosing down the bars again. Miami's already closed all their beaches for Fourth of July. Are we realistically going to be able to open the schools come fall? Are some of these parents even going to feel safe sending their kids to school? Who knows? We're in uncharted territory now. The only thing I do know is what they're doing to us. Under the guise of all this. So pay attention people. Like I said. Check out you know, Whitney Webb. Check out Last American Vagabond. Also I recommend you uh, check out Secular Talk with Kyle Kalinske. Does a good job. Jimmy Dore as well. Um, the Hills Rising. Another good show. And also Abby Martin from The Empire Files. If you like stuff like that. But until next time. Be safe out there. And just show love for your fellow man. Because we, <clears throat> we definitely need it right now. So, all the best, until next time, be cool, stay safe.